Hi, my name is Leanne Dehan, and welcome to the Security Podcast's Women in Security Edition. We're sitting down with women from all aspects of security to talk about their careers and journeys in the field and other topics like leadership, security posture, mentorship, and much more. Today, I'm here with Elizabeth Rice, Senior Vice President of Business Operations and Strategy at Blackstone Consulting. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So to start off, could you tell me a little bit about your journey into security and what led you to your current position in the field? Was it something you always wanted to do or maybe something you fell into? Yeah, so I definitely fell into it. I have kind of a unique background uh, for this industry. So early in my career, I actually worked in sales and in educational sales. So I worked with school districts and built educational programs. And then I decided to go to business school and went back to school and studied. I got an MBA and a master's in education leadership. And I went to an all-women's business school program. It had men in it, but it went to a women's liberal arts college in Oakland called Mills College. And at the time got connected with some really amazing um, women in business networks. It was through those networks that Liz was recruited to be a management consultant for a woman-owned consulting firm based in the Bay Area. One of their biggest clients was Kaiser Permanente, so she ended up working on some different programs for them. I was a project manager on a pharmacy infrastructure project at Kaiser and got to learn all about security technology and pharmacies. And so that was like my first introduction to the security industry. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, I know way more about videos and network NVRs and things like that than I ever could have imagined. And then I went on to work on a big cybersecurity project for Kaiser as well. And because I was working with the security organization, um, who is a partner of Blackstone, I met my now boss, Ken Daigle. And so I was actually recruited into the role that I'm in now to help him run you know, strategy for our healthcare security division at BCI. So again, never thought I'd be in the security industry in the way that I am, but really glad that I am. It's um, surprised me in the sense of I love the people. I love how important the work is. And I'm, I'm learning and I love to learn, right? And I feel like my skill set, though I don't have the years of security background, my skill set's very valuable because I have a business and strategy background and I'm really good at getting things done in complex environments, which is a lot of what we do in our partnerships with different clients. So that's how I landed here. You mentioned in your work, you help run a large healthcare security division. So keeping that in mind, what do you think makes for an effective security operation? Is it just technology or do you believe there's more to it? So I've done a lot of work, both in my management career and in in this job, building operating models. And so an operating model is people, process, and technology. And so it's all three and you need all three to be effective. And then I really focus on the fact that you also need culture to kind of glue it all together. Culture is often the glue that holds process together, holds teams together, makes technology usable. And so in my mind, a solid security operation is having a really good operating model. And I tend to be a very people-focused leader. I have a lot of really amazing process and technology people on my team that have really you know, long-standing backgrounds, lots and lots of security experience. So what but I bring to the table is more strategy and, and a big focus on people. And so I think that 
leaders is your number one important thing in a security operation. Uh, You need really strong leadership. Liz is a fan of multidisciplinary and diverse leadership teams. She says some of the most amazing teams are formed as a result of recruiting people with different backgrounds, whether that might be traditional law enforcement, military, or people with MBAs and communication experience. And across my close to 40 employees, I've got people who've risen the rank from security officer. I have people who have come in a year ago from their MBA who are really process or technology driven. I have systems subject matter experts. I have, you know, ex-law enforcement, ex-military. I've got lots of women, men, diverse backgrounds, and my team's amazing, right? They're just absolutely incredible. And I think it's that diversity of experience that's really powerful. And we run at the national program. And then at the local level in the hospital, same thing. We've got managers from very different backgrounds and they come together and they communicate. And that's where I think a lot of magic happens. Creating a safe environment, good leadership practices, and having empathy are key because all of these things lead to effective communication. A solid basis for communication helps streamline decision-making, which is critical in the security industry. So one of the things I noticed when I first came in, the the contract that I support, we have over 3,200, so 3,200 security personnel working at hospitals across the country. And communication just doesn't flow very well. You know, we've got union workers who don't have emails. In California, it's really hard to issue company emails because of wage and hour limitations. Um, And so getting information from the top to the bottom is super challenging. And so we've spent a lot of time and energy creating communication processes through meetings, through huddles, through publications, through, you know, SharePoint sites and things like that. So that people have the information they need to either adopt something that's coming from the dot at the bottom, tap into expertise of their colleagues from different business units, or make fast decisions when we have big things happening across the entire enterprise. And then training and development, again, just have a tremendous team, I think just, you know, industry leading training team and They do a lot to really make sure from all the way at the officer level to the top that people have the training they need to be successful in their jobs. And we're leaning a lot into training in, you know, we train in the technical security skills, but we're doing a lot right now to focus on developing leadership and business skills, right? So project management skills, PowerPoint skills, like all the things you need to present business cases to your customers, difficult conversation, sort of manager 101 HR training, HR legal training, because we work in a union environment. So those things are always also really important. Yeah, I really like all the points you touched on with diversity and being inclusive. And my next question kind of goes in with what you said. So you mentioned you work with 3,200 people, which is a lot. So from a position like that, do you think fostering a positive work environment translates into a secure operation and motivates people to do the work? You know, I, I talked yesterday at a, at a conference and, you know, the, the one thing in the world right now that's constant is change. And everyone that works on our teams is experiencing everything that's going on in the world in a different way. And they're human, right? A lot of the security, at least in my case, right? I have 3,200 humans (laughs) that are responsible for keeping hospitals safe. And they themselves are going through a lot. 
And, you know, part of our job, you know, a hospital environment is so unique in the sense that when people walk through the doors at a hospital, they're often not on their best day or in their best moment, right? They're on edge. And so the task that our officers have to provide good customer service to help that healthcare team of which they're a part of really ensure that there's a safe environment so that person can receive the care they need. That's difficult when at the same time, you might be going through your own feelings or reactions to having kids at home. You might have family overseas that are going through things. You might be a person of color that's been experiencing, you know, everything that's going on in the world at a certain level of intensity that your white colleagues might not understand. And so it's so important to always come back to human, right? We're all human. We're going to do the best that we can and leadership practices and culture and really, you know, starting at a place of empathy and humanness will help people feel safe enough to keep other people safe. I mean, at the end of the day, if I feel secure at work and I know somebody has my back, I am going to be that much more comfortable and focused and dedicated doing my job. If I come to work and I don't feel like my company has my back, then I'm going to be less able to be my top performing self when I show up to work. And so it's imperfect, right? And I think that it takes time to change a culture. And I know, I mean, right now that we have staffing challenges, for example, it's really hard to find staff. And so our, our employees are working really long hours. And so we're trying to figure out what, what can we do to create a more sustainable work environment for our people who are burning out, right? You just have to constantly be agile and solving problems to help people to create that culture. Yeah, I've actually seen that become a big problem in so many fields. It's so hard to find staff everywhere. Yeah, it, it's incredible how difficult it is. And everyone's facing it, right? It is, it's it's a national problem that is hurting all kinds of industries. And so we are putting our heads together and trying to get creative like everybody else is, right? And so there's decisions to be made in that. And again, like our team members in the field, our officers, I mean, I'm so thankful for them because they have been working so hard through the pandemic to keep the hospitals safe. They're working long hours. They're putting their lives at risk. So I just am constantly in awe of our frontline and the work that they do. They're my why, basically. (laughs) I want to try to make things better for them the best that I can. And then going off of this idea of community, I know you're very active with women in security and in your workplace, you've developed kind of a community there. So do you think having safe spaces like that helps? And I also listened to a podcast episode you were in, Brian Hamilton's Healthcare Security Cast, and you said something along the lines of you wanted a network built by women for everyone. So could you also tell me a little bit about that distinction? you know, making a safe space for everyone versus just for women? Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the beginning of my story, right, where I talked about the fact that I went to a women's liberal arts college for my graduate degrees and got involved in a bunch of different women and business organizations. So one of them was the Committee of 200. The other was Watermark for Women. And they're very interesting organizations for anybody who wants to look them up. But what I learned through that is there's so much power in bringing women together. It's really, really amazing how supportive women can be of one another. And so a lot of my career success is tied to mentors, many of which were women who helped me along the way. And I have a lot of really awesome role models who showed me the possibilities, right? And I have peers that I've grown in my career with. 
And so when I got to Blackstone, when I first started working here, I went to a security conference in Chicago and I was just, you know, I knew that it was a very male dominated industry, but it was going to that conference where it hit me. Right. I was like, wow, (laughs) there really are not a lot of women, especially in leadership positions. And so, you know, I just, the pay it forward concept, I just started reaching out to women to really understand the industry. I talked to female officers in the field to understand at the front line, you know, what is it like to be told, oh, I want a man for that post because you're not going to be able to handle the situation. When in reality, a woman might be able to handle it better. You never know, right? Because it just depends on the situation. When Liz initially started connecting women, there is a bit of hesitancy. A lot of them didn't want to put attention on them being women. Then slowly but surely, they started to trust one another and developed strong bonds of sisterhood. And that has brought attention to the topic of gender in a really positive way across the whole organization. We have more male allies who've signed up for our organization than we have female members because men are fathers and husbands and all the rest. And they are excited that we are talking about this. And so I think that the reason we they really wanted to focus on building an organization built by women, but for everybody because we didn't, divisiveness can be dangerous, right? Othering can be dangerous. And so while we wanted the safety of being able to talk about our unique challenges, we also wanted to keep things open so that it wasn't drawing a line. It was, here's an important thing to recognize. There are less women in this industry. We deal with different things than men do. And, you know, women bring something really powerful into business. It's proven that companies who have diverse leadership teams perform better, right? Having these types of programs, having special interest groups where people can come together, it shows and sends a signal to your your teams that 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 matters, right? And that they matter. And I think that tightens a culture, that tightens cohesiveness. Well, that was my last question for you, but is there anything else you'd like to add? Do you know maybe something I missed or something you'd like to elaborate on? I mean, I think just thank you for the opportunity to talk. And I love that you're highlighting women. And I just would encourage anyone in the industry out there to really take a look at culture, right? Um, I think particularly right now with the change and with, you know, our, our country and the world is in a, set, a, a state of stress. And so remember that that's has a ripple effect on your people in ways that they may not be showing. And a good company culture where people feel safe coming to work is going to be good for everyone, including, you you know, people as leaders or teammates. So I just, I just kind of a call to action in our industry to really, really step back and ask ourselves, are we creating good, healthy cultures where our people can thrive and where we can continue to do the really important work that our companies and organizations need us to do? I'll end with that. And just again, thank you for the time. Well, thank you for joining me. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Security Podcast, Women in Security Edition. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even listen to us directly on our site at securitymagazine.com. Music.